Hey there, I'm Tal Zlotnitsky from Ignite IT Consulting. You know me from the Braving Business Podcast, but when I'm not behind the mic, I'm helping tech startups and established companies ignite their full potential. I also help entrepreneurs and businesses in distress reset for success. With over three decades of entrepreneurial success, I bring hands-on experience to drive growth, navigate turnarounds, raise capital, and lead through innovation. Whether it's executive coaching or strategic transformation, I'm here to turn your business challenges into success stories. Visit IgniteITConsulting.com and let's spark that change together. That's IgniteITConsulting.com. Your journey to business brilliance starts now. This episode of the Braving Business Podcast is sponsored by, well, me. I'm PJ Benoit, and I've been in the domestic and international logistics space for over 30 years. If you need any assistance with transportation or logistics, my team and I will jump at the chance to help. Whether it be parcel shipments, e-commerce, pallets and freight, full truckload, international air and ocean, imports, exports, warehousing and distribution, or really anything under the logistics umbrella, we got you covered. For more details, please go to shipwithpj.com. That's shipwithpj.com. Reach out to me there. Mention you found me on this podcast for a special surprise. And one last quick thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please stay on after the show to learn more about the Braving Business Podcast and other great episodes for you to discover. And now, let's get the show started. Hello there, Mr. Bigfoot. I believe in Bigfoot. Your That's shirt right. does as well, apparently. That's right. My nice. daughter, my daughter designed this shirt. Actually, is that right? Yeah. Your daughter, who will be designing all the uh, Braving Business T-shirts, uh, pretty right. soon. Believe in Bigfoot nice. and yourself. It says so. Ah, oh, nice, nice. We have a That's we have a, a, a very cool inspirational person on today. So I, I thought, you know what, I should wear an inspirational shirt. Well, that's 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 very thoughtful unlike, of you, PJ. You're such a thoughtful you. guy. Un unlike yourself, my friend. Where's where's the rest of your wardrobe? Why are you wearing an undershirt? <laughs> that this is not an undershirt. This is like a fifty dollar <laughs> designer white shirt that looks like an undershirt. I don't know, but it's not. Ooh, la, la. But you know, you know who looks really nice is Allah. She looks she, she looks splendid. You know, resplendent <laughs> in red, which matches the uh, the color of uh, of of the the main headline of her book. Get out of the rabbit hole, which is right behind her. For those of you not watching on YouTube and just listening to us on uh, on 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 the podcast, you're missing out. Allah's looking uh, very nice today. Hi, Allah. How are you? Thank you. Well, thank you for your kind words, and thank you oh. for having me. I'm thrilled to be with both of you on. Thank <laughs> well, you. Th th you know, we should have told you you don't need to dress up for us. We, oh, you yeah. know, we are accustomed to people not, but that's very kind of you to have done that. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, PJ, thank you. Why don't we? <laughs> She's very professional. Why don't we tell the audience who, so. <laughs> oh, there you go. It's uh, you know what? That there you go. So different different things work for different people. I prefer to be wearing my undershirt, and I feel more confident that way. That's just how it rolls. You know, I prefer you wearing a shirt as well. Um, so yes, it's yes. it it all works. Nice. <laughs> um, PJ, I want to introduce uh, our our guest to our audience, and uh, maybe we can get the show on the road. That would be my. Absolute pleasure. So today we have Miss Ala Bardov, who is the founder of Sell Yourself for Success, a company dedicated to helping leaders achieve transformational results in sales, general productivity, 
and with their own effectiveness as sales and, or sorry, as leaders and people. Her emphasis and focus is on helping organizations sell more and sell better. As Ella told us in the pre-interview, and I quote, we as people influence, influence being just another word for selling, other people with our opinions, our ideas, our desires and wishes on a daily basis. Selling is an inherent part of our lives and it extends beyond selling products or services. So why not be good at it? And I love that, Allah. That's that's a fantastic point. I'm a huge believer in, in all of that. Um, Allah has over 30 years of experience in corporate accounting and finance, including almost 20 years at a company that is, that is among the three largest companies in the world, according to the Fortune 500 rankings for 2023. She's an international speaker, a sales acceleration trainer, direct sales expert, and author of the book, Get Out of the Rabbit Hole, Building Confidence to Overcome Self-Doubt, Improve Performance, and Reach Your Potential. And lest you assume Allah was born ahead of the class, way out on third base, and thought she hit a triple, she actually started her career selling vacuum cleaners door-to-door, an experience which we, you know, <laughs> I'm sure has garnered many inter- interesting moments and definitely going to delve in about that with her. Ala, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Braving Business Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for this wonderful introduction and thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on Braving Business Podcast with both of you. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, Ala. And, uh, you know, I obviously I know your husband, Louis, uh, quite well. Um, and, uh, I, and he's a wonderful guy. Um, but I don't, uh, you know, I, I know your story, but I don't, you know, I haven't heard it from you. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more about it. And we're definitely going to get to the, uh, vacuum cleaner door to door thing. Uh, makes me think of death of a salesman. Fortunately, <laughs> no one died. Uh, but, but before we get to that, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you got started. Uh, you know, we, you, you started with various part-time jobs. You were doing that at the same time that you were adapting to a new culture and language. I don't know what age that was. I came to this country as a 12-year-old, so I, I have a bit of experience with that as well. I'd love to hear how those early challenges, uh, uh, including being an immigrant, shaped you, uh, shaped your perspective, your view on resilience and perseverance. What did it teach you um, that you're, you've brought on to what you're doing now and, and just to your life in general? Oh, well, thank you. Um, so... Interesting. Yes, you didn't know um, how old I was. So when I was 15 years old, my family and I immigrated from, if I told people probably three years ago that I immigrated from the city, they would be saying, well, where is that? But now everybody knows it on a map. Um, I was born and raised in Kiev, Ukraine. And we immigrated when I was 15 years old. I came to this country and I did not speak a word of English. And so I remember it like today, day two in the United States, here I'm sitting with my aunt, Linda, who I have met for the first time the day before, and she's trying to register me in high school. The only problem is that Linda doesn't speak a word of Russian, or and I don't speak a word of English, <laughs> but by the nod on her head and on the, um, the counselor's head, I figured out that I was all set. So the only thing that they handed me after that meeting was a sheet of paper that says this person doesn't speak any English. And if she gets lost, please bring her to the counselor's office. So that's how my journey began. And as you can imagine, it's difficult to be a teenager um, when you speak the language, but it's even more challenging to navigate the waters when you don't speak English. 
And um, so you're navigating your English, you're navigating the culture. You have no idea how to dress, what to look like. Um, you don't know that in the United States, people change their clothes every day, clean or dirty. You still wear different clothes. And um, so I had even had somebody say, hey, we change clothes here every day. So <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so there, there were challenges. Ouch, <laughs> ouch, ouch. I, I have to jump in with my, my quick story here. I, I, I came from Israel in 1986. And in 1986, Michael Jackson was still extremely popular in Israel. And it was it was at the point where he was no longer that popular in the United States. And you know how I found that out? Wow. I wore a leather red oh. Michael Jackson jacket with the chains, you know, like on the shoulder. From school <laughs> on like my fifth day of school here in the United States, thinking, oh, that's how I'm gonna make friends. I'm gonna look like an American. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how that's how it started. And so in the process, um, I needed to help my family because nobody in my family, mom and dad and my brother spoke and my grandmother spoke English. So I needed to earn some money. And so I decided to get some part time jobs. And interestingly enough, so I would try this part time job and this part time job and this part time job and you try to adjust. And so what I've noticed is that I liked sales jobs. And one would say, well, oh my gosh, why sales jobs? And because sales jobs seemed like it didn't, didn't matter what I was selling at first, it was selling, um, you know, whether it was, when I was, was on a swim team, we were selling cups as promotional items. And then I was selling, um, I was selling food and then I was selling popcorn. And I got a story about that whole thing. But then I went and I started to sell shoes. And that's when then we were we had competition because you had to be better than the salesperson next to you. So then I decided I was going to go sell ceiling fans of all things. And, and so then you had sales quotas and you're in high school. And so I really, really liked sales job because that's what caught my eye. Like I said, they, they drove me to utilize my interpersonal skills. I had to listen carefully whether I understood every word or not. Um, there was, I had to adapt. I had to, um, utilize body language, um, my own body language. And I had to watch other people's body language, which is very important. So listening skill, body language, um, visual aids to convey what it is to convey the value of the product. And what I often, what I also realized that if I just showed you a pen and I was trying to sell it, I have a pen. Yeah, you might buy it or you might not, but if I just so excited, I have a pen and it does this and that. So um, as, as a salesperson, if you're excited about the product that you're selling, and so you will be much more successful. And so little did I know that these sales jobs that I had in high school provided, they were my sandbox, really. They let me play, experiment, and hone the craft that would later become and turn into my passion. So I have to say that I fostered a sense of perseverance and um, these challenges that I encountered along the way, they transformed into opportunities um, for learning and development. And I can tell you some really funny stories of my, um, you know, how do you adjust? You asked me, you know, how do you adjust? How do you persevere? Um, sometimes I had to laugh at myself when you realize it. And one of my one of my jobs was selling popcorn at a movie theater. And so I had a guy comes up and he said, um, I want the um, Frank, please. 
And I just looked at him and I had no idea. I've never heard that word and other than a name. And I looked at the person next to me, does Frank work here? And the person said, uh, no, not that I know of. And I said, sir, I'm sorry, Frank doesn't work here. So um, you can imagine, you know, all that as an immigrant you go through and you try to persevere and you try to excel. And that's how I started with my sales jobs. <laughs> so was, I'm sorry, so was Frank asking, was he asking for Frank like he wanted a hot dog? Yes, he wanted a hot dog. <laughs> I told him that Frank didn't work there. Yes. Oh, so no, I have a lot of instances like that, but you learn and yeah. you just make fun of it. You know, you laugh I, with the person. No. I have a somewhat similar story, but it actually goes back to, to Israel. My grandmother told me this funny story. My grandparents immigrated to Israel in 1958 uh, from the former Soviet Union. They actually had a, a layover one year in Poland. Long story short, they wind up in, in Israel. My grandmother is beginning to learn uh, Hebrew, but doesn't speak it very well. And she's working as a as a clerk in a grocery store. Not they weren't. <laughs> we're not talking, you know, Publix or Tom Thumb, but we're talking about you know what was what was a grocery store back then. And a man walked up to her, and he was asking where the eggs were. Uh, and what you need to know is the word for eggs in Hebrew is similar to the word for testicles. And and she pointed at at the man. And she said that man <laughs> over there, he's got them. And and you know at the, at the, she told me that story as a child. I felt the combination of being, I, I was petrified for her, uh, and also, you know, it's, it's it, it causes you to appreciate uh, being a native, right? I mean, when you're not when you're not from someplace, you don't appreciate how hard it is to come into a place and fit. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's it's a, it's definitely a learning experience, and um, you learn, you develop, you adapt, you learn, you you're forced to learn very quickly. And you find alternate alternative ways to connect with people, with potential customers, and utilizing body language and whatever else that you can employ. Well, I I, I kind of love all this because the basis of communication for you know just for humans as I'm going to talk for all humans here for a second. Um, the basis for communication is normally verbal, right? Verbal or written, where this is how we we communicate thoughts and ideas and everything. What you were talking about is emotional intelligence and and kind of building with interpersonal communication, right? So you're you're able to visualize or 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 take stock of what you're seeing in front of you, understand that that person's buying um, their their tells. In other words, like are they are they interested in what I'm saying? Are they not interested in what I'm saying? You're able to pick up on that and then work with that. And so that's that's uh, that's an innate. Um, trait that obviously has served you very well, which is awesome. And I'm glad that you're, you're trying to get other people to kind of hone that, that muscle a little bit, because I think it's, I think it's very important. That being said, door-to-door sales in the U S I, I don't to, actually, I don't know if that happens in other countries, but I do know door-to-door sales in the U S is probably one of the hardest tracks to go. Um, and, and create your, your selling career. I'm very impressed with the fact that you've, you've kind of glommed onto this, that you've, you've made it your own and you've, you've, uh, tackled what normally is a very daunting challenge. Well, geez, PJ, you're making it seem like she's still selling door to door. I mean, no, I think it's no, been a no. minute since she sold vacuums door to door. Absolutely. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that's, those are some, those are some hard chops, right? That's, you got it. You started there. You, you kind of earned your stripes. So 
Tell us more about like that experience, going door to door, selling selling the vacuums. I'm assuming it's Kirby. I'm not sure, but um, it, that that's the name that popped up in my head when I was thinking <laughs> of vacuums. But tell us about that. Any interesting stories you have from there? Um, I do. Actually, the very interesting story is how I got there. So I was, um, actually, I was in college. So I got into it while I was in college. And I was studying accounting in college. And if you're wondering why I was studying account- accounting when I was a senior in high school, a teacher said, well, what are you going to study in college? And I said, I don't know, because I couldn't imagine how do you study sales in college? And she said, you should be an accountant. And I said, what's an accountant? <laughs> And she said, you're good with numbers. You should be an accountant. So, and I just trusted her. So I started accounting in college. And it was during my second year that there was a representative on campus and we were just kind of passing him by and he stopped us and he said, girls, do any of you like sales? And so my girlfriend just kept on walking and I went, sales. And so we started this conversation and he said that they were looking for juniors and seniors. And he said, you don't really qualify. And I remember standing there and in my broken English, I said, but you don't understand. I'm good in sales. And so he said, let me figure out. And so the next day or the day after the phone call came in and he said, um, you can come and you can um, you can sell it part time with us, part time, summers, whenever. And I was so excited for it because the sales job. Did you it, ever bother to ask what you would be selling or you didn't even you're uh, like, I'm I did, sell. I did, but it didn't matter. I just, <laughs> I didn't want to, it wasn't accounting. I already had two part-time accounting jobs. So um, I was really excited and it came with in-house training, peer shadowing, role playing, mentorship. I mean, what could be better? And so, but interestingly enough, um, well, you're laughing, so. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm so laughing I, with I just, you. I'm laughing yeah, with you, you with joyfully yes, so, at your okay, story so being so delightful, just yes. for the record. So yes. here's, okay, you can imagine. So here's me. Yeah. So I knock on the and door. I'm, and, I'm, you... and as PJ, as PJ knows, I, I did paint jobs uh, as a college sophomore and I knocked on doors to get people huh? to Stuff. hire me. So no, I, 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 I'm there. I, I, I am walking <laughs> with you as you're knocking on the door. Okay. So let me make you laugh. So I would open, I would knock on the door and somebody would open the door and I would say, you know, because I would follow the suit, what others were doing, but what vacuum cleaner are you using? And somebody would, would say, oh, we have a Hoover. And I said, oh, I didn't know Hoover is a president, was a president. I didn't know he made vacuum cleaners. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and then others would say, oh, we have a Eureka. And I would say, oh, that's what we say in Texas when we strike oil. And of course, my accent is as heavy as anything. And so that, that and but so... And so I have been selling vacuum cleaners. And after months and months, I could not reach my sales goals. And yeah, but you did sell some. Like people were, I mean, okay. I'm I'm kind of amazed. I, I mean, encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. I remember my parents yes. buying encyclopedias when I was a child from door to meet people yes. to walk door to door. We all probably remember that. Mm-hmm. We all have probably had uh, you know, Jehovah Witnesses. In fact, we've had a guest that was uh uh, a Jehovah Witness, uh, and and did did one of those tours, um, but vacuums. No one's ever knocked on my doors trying to sell me a vacuum. Well, it wasn't that easy to sell a twelve hundred dollar. Can't imagine it would be twelve hundred dollar vacuum cleaner. So um, dirt sucker, what we used to call them. And so I asked for help, and I couldn't meet my sales goals. And I got, and I said, you know, I can't. There's something I am doing wrong, and. What I told everybody, I said, look, I know how to overcome objection. I'm a master at it. 
I know everything about all of my products. I I know how to ask for a sale. I have one main problem. I can't get through the front door. So I felt like if I could get through the front door, then I'm 50% to the sale. So I, I've asked for help and I asked for help, but everything that everybody told me to do uh, didn't produce a, a res- any result because did, the did door- Did you ever try kids. saying, can I use your bathroom? Because that would have gotten you in that doors. I mean, if you're saying 50% no. of the sales just getting in, can I use your bathroom should have been your first line. Yeah. Um, maybe I should try that. But And so I realized <laughs> after knocking on hundreds more doors, I realized I was really lacking two things. The number one, I was lacking confidence. I was lacking confidence to talk in the way to the person that would want them to welcome me in and hear what I had to say. And two, I lacked a guide on acquiring. And so there was the interesting thing. If I can find instruction manual, how to drive or to whip up um, a dessert or a cake, how come there were no recipes, how to become confident? And so that's when my quest um, to define confidence building fundamentals really began. By the time I graduated from college, I learned a thing or two. And not only did I come out with an accounting degree, but I was also the top salesperson in the entire uh, college program in the United States. And I even got a um, a, a small back a small vacuum cleaner, a small scholarship to pay for my accounting degree. Oh, that's awesome! That would have been really funny if you got a small vacuum cleaner for your yeah. accounting degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it was the confidence and that's when, um, I really realized that, you know, that that's the importance of confidence and as it translates to sales, um, I, I also learned three other things. One, it was confidence and it was, uh, people buy you first before they buy your products or services, you know, they either connect with you or they don't. And then I also learned that it's about the product. It's about how your product can solve someone else's problem and not how their problem can fit your product. I also learned that it's about people. It's what's important to them and not what's important to you. And also learned it's about persuasion. It's asking for the sale and how do you ask for the sale as you we influence people into action. And that's what you picked up Um PJ, you picked that up on my introduction. We fluence people yeah. um, into action. So talk to us a little bit about confidence, right? How did you yes. how did you overcome like self-doubt? And you know, I'm sure you as well as everyone has negative thoughts in regards to themselves and just like in the moment. Like how how did you overcome these feelings and and uh you know move forward through your entrepreneurial journey? Um, so we, if we're talking during a time of selling vacuum cleaners or during a time as I was building the business, so there were different strategies uh, that I used. So as far as getting through the door, what helped me become you know, one of the top salespeople selling vacuum cleaners door to door with my accent and being just a few years in the United States um, was really a lot of it was visualizing myself inside the house before people even let me in. It's telling myself instead of, oh my gosh, there's another door that I am knocking on and I'm not going to get through. Then I would tell myself that I am inside the house. I am bringing value. I I did that before I even knocked on the door. So I adjusted my mindset from I'm not getting into to I am getting into. I used different techniques um, to 
to adjust my doubting thoughts. I had um, I had little things that I would call, now I call them, in the book, I call them the mindful boosts that I would, things that boost your confidence that I kept in my pocket. Um, I would also, I had a favorite, my a favorite song that I would listen to on, on the way to whatever street that I would go to. And then when you read the book, each chapter, each story ends with, you've got it. And so I would tell myself, you've got it as I would knock on the door. So those are the different techniques that I use to overcome doubt. And doubt is really just replacing your thoughts. I would try to mentally catch myself. You know, you don't allow, you don't allow doubt take overtake your feelings because then you kind of transpose that on the person and people feel that. So whoever you're talking you, to. Allah, were you naturally able to get there? Or, you know, what, what was your journey? from a young woman coming into the United States, not speaking the language, then not speaking it well, then speaking it well, but maybe with a heavy accent that um, made you, at least in the mind of other people, some someone that was exotic or different. Um, were your, was your ability to overcome self-doubt, did, did it just come naturally to you? Or did, did you, how did you figure this out? Um, no, it was interesting that, that you're asking this question. It actually... I really defined how I overcame it, how you overcome self-doubt is during my, so I spent, I spent over 30 years in corporate accounting or some type of form of accounting. I worked in corporate accounting and finance for, um, actually I started with mobile and I went to Exxon Mobil, And so that was a lot of my career. And then you think that I'm going to stay with that company for the rest of my life because it's such a huge accomplishment to be able to work with them, corporate accounting and finance, international travel, and then life throws you a curveball. And our third child um, required major surgery and needed me to stay home. So that kind of retired me from corporate life. And then um, you you figure out, you know, what, what do I want to do with my life? Where do I go from here? And so my passion really is back to sales, sales, um, sales, speaking, training. And so I launched, I launched sell, I decided to launch sell yourself for success. And that was back in 2017. And so sell yourself for success was launched really in unconventional manner. I didn't come up with a strategy. This is what I'm going to do. This is my system. And you know, you create a business plan. So I identified uh, what I call an MVP, um, a minim minimum viable product. And I tested it out on public. I would have public workshops and I would test it out. And I got such incredible results from so many entrepreneurs, from people, from people of all walks of life, different industries, and so I kept adding a little bit more and a little bit more. And so that's when I decided, well, it's time for me to document my entire system that I really learned while selling vacuum cleaners door to door. And then I really applied it in the corporate environment. So you are not, it's not, and if people are wondering, well, how do you apply sales skills in corporate environment? We will, we can discuss that. So you don't really have to sell a product or a service to apply your skills. Well, but before we go there, I, I you jumped twenty years into the future. Oh. I'm talking about I'm talking about Allah that's standing in front of the door and yes. is talking talking to herself and psyching herself up. Yes, was that 
natural for you? I mean, was what, you know, I, I'll tell you what you're describing: the ability to visualize yourself having success, yes. uh, the ability to overcome self doubt, the ability to even, frankly, get back in the car and go to another street and knock on more doors. Uh, a lot of people would find that to be incredibly difficult, and most people, I think, would quit. Uh, you know, you knock on a hundred doors and you get ninety nine no's and maybe a hundred no's. Uh, it's really difficult to knock on the hundred first door. Before we get to what you ended up doing at yes. you know this stage of your career, and believe me, we're going to get into it. Was were you naturally able to psych yourself up? I mean, where did that even come from? That ability to have that inner dialogue. Did you? Um, where did so, you learn that? Where did that come from? So I was. Um, it was there was actually a breaking point where you're not meeting your sales goals. Uh, your family is on the verge of saying not on the verge. They were saying, I told you so. And obviously you tell your parents, I'm going to do door-to-door vacuum cleaners. And it was on one of those days where I knocked on the doors, started early in the morning. It was in Texas. It was close to 110 and it's 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And I am with my mentor or the boss or whoever you would want to call him. And we get back in the car and it's just so hot. And I sat in a car and I said, I don't know if I can do this. And I got out of the car, I slammed the door and I just looked at him and I said, I'm not sure if this is for me. And I just started walking down the street. Tears were rolling down my face. It was 5 p.m. in the afternoon, hot as anything. And I just kept walking and I had to make a decision. Am I going to get out and let everybody say, I told you so? Because everybody told me, I told you so. I mean, you don't need another job. You already have two accounting jobs. Who will want to go sell vacuum cleaners? And there was a, a lot of pride involved. So there was, was a pride and there was, I couldn't let them have their cake, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. And so I made the decision that I will do whatever it took to stick it out and to figure out what worked, what didn't work. And eventually, 30 minutes later, I got back in a car and I said, uh, we're going to keep going and trying little things. You ask for help and then you adapt it to your own style and and your attitude changed, the way you present yourself changed. Um, I always I started to dress up, wearing heels. I wore heels to knock on doors. Wow. Yeah, this is, this is, um, you know, this is something that comes up a lot, right? Uh, Throughout all of our podcasts, uh, the issue of resilience, the getting knocked down eight times, getting up nine, (laughs) right? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, refusal for giving up, which of course any entrepreneur goes through, not any, but most entrepreneurs go through. Um, I just love that you, you kind of just had this in you. Right. Like, like you, you, I, I don't know what they feed you in Kiev, but when you got over here, that, that obviously bolstered you well to, uh, you know, to, to be able to handle adversity like that and to be able to, to grow from that. That's, that's awesome. I think there's also another thing is a competitive nature. And I was on a swim team. So I swam in Kiev. And so when we came here, I think on day three, I found myself with a swim team and that, that felt comfortable. Mm because I didn't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> you just swim, you just do just your perform. thing, but yeah. you just perform. That's it. And I think there's something to be said about being an athlete 
um, you you don't give up. And the competition for me was against myself. Um, I competed against myself and I just could not give up besides everybody else saying, I told you so. But I just knew that if I kept on, keep going and going and going, I, I guess that also will bring me to another story when we were still in Ukraine and I was... I could not get, um, we were, we would go to competition and it was backstroke and I just could not come in the top three. I just could not come. And I practiced extra and extra and extra. And I would go in and practice as much as I could. And I will never forget that moment when we were swimming and all I could see was the back of my, um, the back of my hand and my little pinky touched the wall. And I looked and everybody was still out in the water and so that moment, a lot of times I carried with me as I knocked on doors and I said, if I just keep doing it and if I just keep trying and trying new things and get better and better, and it's also a numbers game, you just keep knocking. And um, when I reached the first time, when I reached my sales goal, I literally saw my little pinky touching the wall, but it was a different kind of wall. That's awesome. It's so interesting. And I think PJ, you actually, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, we, we have in, in episode after episode, uh, over season one and and now in season two, um, we've, we've heard a consistent theme, which is that, you know, successful entrepreneurs are not superheroes that they, they, they're not endowed with some, uh, you know, extra human skill to avoid setbacks. What, separates successful and i would also say happy people from less successful and less happy people is that they refuse to quit simple as that time and again they're faced with moments where someone else many people will say ah, the hell with this i've knocked on 100 doors i haven't sold a single vacuum the hell with this especially if as Allah did you have a fallback she has an accounting degree she's an accountant right but Allah didn't quit. And and the second piece that I find really compelling is the story you just told about swimming. And in effect, as I translate into translate that into visualize yourself having success and remind yourself that you've done it before. You can do it again. It doesn't have to be in the exact same arena. The fact of the matter is, if you've been resilient, if you have overcome, whether it's a stutter, whether it's an accent, whether it's whatever, okay, um, you are able to do it again. You just need to choose to do it again. You need to choose to do it again and refuse to be defeated. A lot of times, not a lot of times, but if you look at if you look at the formula for success, one uh, percent is talent, one percent is luck, and ninety eight percent never giving up. And that would probably define a great formula for success. Uh, it's interesting. I don't. I don't know what the percentages are. It is all yeah. all three of those yeah. things. I mean, I I think uh, talent is 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 probably more than one percent. Let's be real, okay? <laughs> A whole lot more. And I think I think for people to be very successful, they have to have an inherent talent. And I I don't know what the percentage is, but it's not trivial. And I would say the same thing about luck. Luck is not trivial. It is a significant factor in how well you do, whether you like it or not. And how hard you work, that that mm -hmm. absolutely is a critical yeah. part. It probably is more than half, more than half the equation, or at least yeah. significant number. Um, let's talk about let's talk about the whole concept of rabbit, right? So so you have this go away rabbit technique for managing negative thoughts and self-doubt. Now I think we're getting closer to 
the current uh uh you know career path that you're on uh and, and we'd be happy to hear more about how you got there uh you ended up writing get out of the ha- get out of the rabbit hole um and uh and go away rabbit is a technique that that you that you've developed yes. and that you talk about often tell our audience more about about that you're more than welcome to share the story that led you there but uh you know ideally you can maybe share with our audience how to apply that in their own lives so we can just um, we can jump into how to apply it in somebody's life. So doubt is going to happen. It um, self doubt does not discriminate against your age or degree of success. We all have doubts. So you could be an employee, you could be a CEO. It doesn't matter. There will be times when you're faced with doubt, and sometimes it will um, doubt will cause will cause you not to succeed. Sometimes it'll stump you. Sometimes it'll pull you back or something you wanted to accomplish. And sometimes it'll set you back days, sometimes years, and sometimes doubt never, people never accomplish anything, whatever, or whatever they set out to achieve because of the doubt. So the the first thing is really awareness. When it comes to doubt, you have to be aware, very aware of your thoughts. So from the moment I wake up, typically, I'm very aware of what what am I thinking? So what am I, um, you, if I have doubts, what, what are the doubts? So the first thing to do is doubt what I say, doubt your doubts. And so what does it really mean? You know, ask yourself, what are you saying to yourself? So a lot of times it could be, I mean, it could be, people could be dealing with imposter syndrome. It could be whatever, if they started the new business, they could say, well, I'm just stupid for starting this. And so if they say that, you know, it's just naturally people say that, or I'm not that smart or whatever it is that they say to themselves. So doubt should doubt. Ask yourself, am I really not that smart? Is what I'm saying to myself true? If in fact, if you're saying I'm not that smart, well, um, ask somebody, ask your significant other, ask your best friend, somebody who has your best interest. Um, am I dumb? Chances are they will tell you, no, you're not dumb. So that's the first thing. Doubt your doubt. Doubt your doubts. And then also, so question CJ, the validity. I'd, I'd be afraid to ask you that question. If I ask you that question, I think you'd answer <laughs> you in a should smart be. alecky way. And you should, be very, you should be terrified, my friend. Right. You know, and of course, I mean, if if there's if you're trying to study, if you're trying to um take a test that you haven't studied for, well, that's not going to help. You know? So you have to identify why do you have these doubts? You know, Are they valid? And if they're not valid, then what is causing them? If you're starting a business plan, if a business, if you don't have a good plan, well, maybe that's what's causing your doubt. Um, so you identify what is causing your doubt and make sure that it's, that it's val- valid. And then you become consciously aware. Every time you say something negative to yourself, self, you become, I just said that, is it valid? Do I lack training? So that's, those are the two first steps. And then if it is really not uh, valid, then I tell myself, um, go away rabbit. And so the minute I hear that, I stop, I stop the the spiraling of the negative thoughts. And I say, go away rabbit. Like if I'm say knocking on the door to, um, to sell a vacuum cleaner and, and, Instead of me saying, oh my gosh, I know nobody's going to, I just caught myself, go away, rabbit, go away, rabbit. And then you replace it with something positive. I am going to get through that door. But in between that, there's an an extra step. 
you want to shift the direction of your thoughts to now, because that's really the only moment you can control. And so how do you do that? There are so many different techniques. It's maybe you need to take a breath. And so you just, that's awesome. um, you, you just, yes. No, I, I love it. I love it all. I mean, um, has, I, I do have a question for you. So this is, I, I love all this like pre door pre to the door part of like, working yourself up, getting, getting past these self-doubts. What about imposter syndrome? Like, is there, does that ever go away? Or are you always just beating up rabbits and shooing them away? Um, I think it, so I think I, um, not, I think I 70 to 80% of business people, especially in, in education and business professional have struggled with imposter syndrome and they actually struggle with it quite often and so they have these doubting thoughts. Am I in the right space? Am I even cut out for this? Am I good enough? Oh my gosh, I'm going to get exposed. And so the, the goal is really to catch yourself. So you don't have to be in front of the door, or maybe you're sitting, you're applying, you're sitting in an interview, you're applying for a job, or you're going into a meeting and you're questioning your skills or what's going to happen in a meeting. So there's so, so it applies, you can apply it to any situation, not just getting through the door. But the minute you catch the doubt, your doubting thoughts, you replace them. You, you question them, you replace them. You say, go away, rabbit. If you don't even have time to question them because you're in the meeting or because you're in the interview, you immediately, because if you start doubting yourself, your energy changes and the person on the other end will feel it as well. So you just, um, replace them. You say, go away, rabbit, go away. And if you say, I'm not going to get this job, then you just replace it with saying, you can tell yourself, I am cut out for this job. So you can use the power of I am statements, which I talk about a lot. So you can replace that in seconds and change the trajectory of whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. And I love more than anything, I love when I do the training and throughout the day, I'll get text messages from people saying, I said, go away rabbit twice today already. And you don't have to use go away rabbit. You can use, you know, whatever, whatever expression that, that you want to come up with. Well, I have a couple of points. One is I'd like to use uh, go away rabbit on a t-shirt. <laughs> so if you allow us to do that, that would be wonderful. Um, and, and for those who listen to all our shows, you're probably getting tired of us talking about our shirts and not having this, the, the story up yet in bravingbusiness.com. That's because we're planning a really cool surprise and uh, the store will be up uh, in time for, uh, but frankly, by the time this episode's playing, it's season two, um, yeah. it will be up. So yes. um, you, you can go to bravingbusiness.com and, and check out the store. But actually what I wanted to talk about more importantly than, um, than our t-shirt business, uh, even though the t-shirt business is very important. No, uh, all kidding aside, I want to talk about what I am hearing you, uh, really ultimately say is that we need to be gentle with ourselves. I mean, there, there's a lot of, uh, particularly among hard driving individuals, there's a lot of negative self-talk. There's a lot of, you know, beating oneself up. We are often not very gentle or kind. Yeah. to ourselves. We certainly say things to ourselves that we wouldn't say to other people. Uh, but for some reason, we liberally, uh, you know, uh, accuse ourselves of all sorts of uh, negative things, intentional and unintentional. Uh, if I if I received if someone gave me a dollar for every time I called myself an idiot, uh, you know, I, I'd have many dollars. Um, and and you and I I'd be a millionaire many times over. And I think the point there is, you know what? At the end of the day, life's hard enough. 
don't make it harder on yourself yes. by telling yourself why things won't work out. Um, yes. They may not. They may not. But at the end of the day, give yourself the best chance by both doubting your self-doubting thoughts, which I think is a great and very, very wise uh, perspective that you shared. And second, just be nice to yourself, for heaven's sake. Be nice to yourself. Um, <laughs> sounds like that the essence of, you know, go away rabbit is, man, just leave me alone with all this negative talk. Let me be my best, most optimistic self. I mean, do you, does that resonate with you? Absolutely. And that's exactly what you do is you're nice to yourself. And so the last step is you replace, you say to yourself, just the opposite of, of what you said. So first you catch yourself, you say, go away, rabbit. And then you replace and say just the opposite. So, and a lot of times as what you said, you know, even when people wake up in the morning and they think about the day ahead and they say they, they might have a meeting with an important client and for whatever reason, they will say, oh my gosh, it's, I know it's not going to go anywhere. You know, I know I'm going to stink at it. I know. And that's just what people say. This, you know, the, It's easier to say those things and just the opposite. And so instead of saying all of those things and you define the trajectory of your day or the outcome of your me of the meeting, you catch yourself. You literally, the minute you say it, you're very aware of your self-talk, of your doubts. And you say, go away, rabbit. Go away, rabbit. And then you say the opposite. This meeting is going to be great. I have some great perspectives to, to bring and, and why these people should do business with me. Uh, so a, if, as long as you keep doing it over and over to where it's, it becomes a habit, you're not even thinking about it. And that's an interesting line to walk, right? That, that, that's kind of a razor's edge between people who can be very doubting of themselves, but also too hard on themselves, right? Because a lot of times you need a push, but you don't need a shove, I guess is, is a way of saying that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree, agree with you. And so people just need to catch themselves and be very aware of what they're saying to themselves. And, you know, sometimes it's, um, sometimes it's situational because this is what they're dealing with, but a lot of times self-doubt, um, they could have self-doubt for many different reasons. So it could be something, um, that they carry themselves from childhood. It could be something that possibly a parent or a coach or a teacher said, so their teacher said, or the words of somebody close to them dealing with their own problems. Or if somebody said, if you are an athlete, maybe somebody said, oh, you know, you'll never be this, or somebody said, you'll never be good enough. And so in challenging situations, those words actually come back. And that's what you hear their, their doubts. That's what they say to themselves instead of saying, hey, I am great, I'm going to succeed. So they doubt themselves. And if they have strategies, how to stop the thoughts and stop them immediately from spiraling from, I mean, they can take them on a whole roller coaster. Sure. And so have the strategies. And I think that's what's so important. So, And I know, Ala, you, you just introduced the uh, Get Out of the Rabbit Hole workbook, which I believe is available uh, on Amazon. Uh, so if it any is. individuals listening to this are interested in understanding more about the uh, go away rabbit technique and other things that are featured in in your get out of the rabbit hole book, uh, they they can find that uh, in the workbook and on Amazon. Um, PJ, you were about to jump in there. I apologize. No, 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 no. You, you're, you're talking about the workbook. I was I was going to say it sounds like uh, someone who's using this workbook could 
uh, find a lot of these strategies within that. So the so the book the book introduces twelve strategies. So each strat each there's twelve there are twelve chapters in the book. It has thirteen stories. They're my personal stories. They're not someone else's. So there are twelve chapters. Um, each chapter has a story and strategies. So you learn all of that through each chapter. How to you know what it is because if you connect with my story, you know story stays, strategy stays. You might forget every step of the strategies, but you'll remember the rabbit hole story or another story that I share. And so, and I, I guess personally, I don't like writing, you know, on the margins because there's not enough room when you want to take notes. So the workbook, what it does, it lets you apply the strategy. So workbook is structured, structured after the book. So the workbook also has 12 little chapters. Actually, have it, have it right here. So this is the workbook that goes with the book. And um, it lets you apply, it lets you take your situation. So for example, if we were talking about self-doubt, so there's like a moment of truth on that chapter. It says, do you struggle with self-doubt? Do you find yourself questioning your decisions? And then it gives you it gives you um, check boxes. You know, do you struggle? Is it anxiety, hesitation? So you, the moment of truth. So you figure out why do you have this particular doubt? Um, do you know where this this one particular comes from? Is it childhood experiences? Is it past negative experiences? Is it comparison? And then it walks you through so your doubting thoughts. So for example, if your doubting thought is I'm not cut out for this big promotion and job because that you know, part of the um, imposter syndrome is is a form of self doubt. So then the next column you have to check. It says, Do I agree with myself? Yes or no. <laughs> Would others agree with what I'm saying? Yes or no? You actually get to, to walk yourself through. And then do I need new skills or training? So then it takes you on naming your thoughts. And so that's what really the workbook does for all the 12 strategies. It takes you through the exercises. Let's talk about new skills. One of the interesting things you told us is that you learned the skill of riding a bike uh, at the age oh. of 55, uh, which is... Uh, both courageous and crazy to admit that to someone like PJ. Of course. Uh, but uh, <laughs> first of all, what prompted you to learn to ride a bike at 55? Why didn't you learn it earlier? And uh, what, if anything, you know, uh, could, could did did being able to master the the task of riding a bike, uh, you know, at 55, what, 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 what does that add uh, to your ability to, I don't know, feel more confident about yourself or or just feel like you're living life more fully. Because I think most people would say, if you've never ridden a bike, I don't know, have you lived? I mean, I don't know, <laughs> not sure. Well, it's a, there's a great story that goes with um, riding a bike. So growing up in, in Kiev, riding a bike was not, biking was not such an important activity for my parents to teach me how to ride a bike because half the year we had snow. And then the other half the year, I mean, we had these pebble streets, so you couldn't really ride in a city anyway. So it was more important for my dad to teach me how to ice skate than to ride a bicycle. So I came here, we immigrated, and I was maybe 16, 17 years old, and I was in high school, and a friend who was two years older, and she said, we're going to go explore Arkansas. And I'm like, oh, great. So we get in this car, you know, she barely, she speaks English just a smidgen better than I am, and here we go. And we found some resort in Arkansas, and so she runs to the activity desk, and she looks through this 
Bye and she goes, this is what we're going to do. I am so excited. This is why we came here. And, and I look at her and she goes, look. And she looks at the concierge and she goes, we're renting two bikes tomorrow. We're going to go explore the beautiful trails of Arkansas. And I'm just standing there. And I said, I don't know how to ride a bike. And I felt so bad. I mean, I felt so bad for her because she couldn't get to ride a bicycle. So we went, we rented two bikes and she was trying to teach me how to ride a bike. Well, lo and behold, 20 or 30 minutes into uh, trying to learn how to ride in the parking lot, in the parking lot, she said, we're ready. We go on this trail and about 10 minutes into it, there's, there's car coming in. Um, and these people, guys stick their bodies out of the car and I don't know what they're screaming because I don't, couldn't understand their English, but I tumbled and the bike went down the ravine. So long story short, we got back. I was all bruised for the rest of the trip. We did not attempt to ride a bike. And I said, I am done. I will never, I want to have nothing to do with it. So throughout, um, throughout, so Lewis and I have been married for 34 years. And so we have three kids. So every time there's a kid born. And so the kid, Lewis is teaching a kid how to ride a bike. Come on, honey, come on. And so I would go and, you know, 30 minutes into it. I'm like, I'm just not cut out for it. I'm just not cut out for it. So my my daughter, my, both of my sons, and I've tried every time. And so anytime that friends talk about, hey, let's go bike riding, you know, here, and I'm like, no, I just can't make it. And so I decided that I was done. The bike riding was not for me. And whoever said it's easy as riding a bike must not have learned how to ride a bike, you know. In their late ages, anyway. In, in Arkansas, falling into a ravine, and then I'm I'm, I'm going to predict where this goes. She said to herself, "Go away, rabbit." And then no, she got on she the bike. Didn't. no, didn't happen. Okay. No, but there's a great lesson to learn. And so I was um, 55 years old, and I mean, I can remember it as oh, now you know how old I am. Oh Lord. So well, I'm, I'm hoping this was like last week or something, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was like yesterday. Well, you look better and, than me, um, and so I'm hoping it was last week. and um a friend a family friend nancy lieberman she stopped by the house and nancy lieberman is two-time olympian she is two-time hall of famer she has overcome incredible amount of challenges and we were standing on as we were walking out of the house and she said do you want to ride you want to go ride a bike it's a beautiful weather and i just could not tell her that i that i had this fear that i'm going to fall off the bike, have bruises. I couldn't tell her about the people that were yelling and screaming at me. I could not tell her that I have tried all my life. And I, and I just looked at her and I, and I looked at the street of God knows how many hundreds of failed attempts over the years. And as I stood there, I said, um, not today, but I will learn and we will go next month. I have no idea what even got into me. And so she said, oh, that's okay. It's okay. And so she left. So the next morning I got, a, no, as soon as she left, I said, Louis, we're going into the garage. You're get, we're getting one of the kids' bikes and you're going to teach me how to ride. And he said, okay. So we go, we get on the bike and 30 or 45 minutes into it. And he goes, honey, it's going to be a long journey. And he said, how about we resume our lessons next week? And I'm thinking to myself, I only have two weeks left. So the next day he goes to work and I get on YouTube and I watch video after video, video after video. I take notes, how to, how to turn, what to do with the handles. And so I go myself 
and I go in an alley to try how to do it. Do you want to add something? So I don't get it. No, not at all. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking this is a yet another absolutely, <laughs> you know, middle of the fairway example of not being willing to quit. I mean, that's what yes. I'm hearing. I'm hearing yet another example of you refusing to lose and refusing to quit. So carry on. So um, I get on a bike and I try and I try and I try. An hour later, I'm actually riding in the back alley because I'm too embarrassed to ride in the front of the street. So I take my cell phone and I set it on those one of those huge garbage bags and I record myself going down and I texted it to Louis. He was in the meeting and I said, look what I did. And so I practiced every day, every day, every day. I watched more videos and exactly two weeks from the time I told Nancy that I didn't know that we would ride exactly two weeks. We went down and we rode at the nearby park. So that's how I learned to write at 55. But the story, this, this story is actually in the book. And what in that particular chapter really teaches there is a difference between a desire and a burning desire. So a lot of times when people want to accomplish something, is it really a desire, which is a hope or a wish? And sometimes you tell it, oh, you know what, I know I'm not going to accomplish it because I already tried three or four times. Or is it a burning desire, the kind of desire that drives you to accomplish something? And there's just no giving up. There's no saying no. Um, your burning desire will help you find ways to remove the roadblocks towards achieving your success. And so there is a chapter in a book on, you know, how do you how do you transform desire into, it's an emotion. How do you transform desire into a burning desire? And do you really want it bad enough? Yeah, that's, And that's how I learned to ride a bike. That's awesome. I also need just to find myself a two-time Olympian who can shame me into things. I think that would be uh, very helpful for me. <laughs> that's right. We all need a, a two-time Olympian to just, to make just, us do just sit there and just call right. me and just say, Hey, you're not doing enough of it. Oh my God. Okay. Was she a basketball player? I, I forget. What, what, yeah. What, yes. She's a, she yes, okay. she's a legend. She's a legend. They'll call the yeah. lady magic, her nicknamed and nice. uh, oh, former WNBA player. And she was the second female to ever coach um, assistant coach for Sacramento Kings. And oh, wow. I just could not tell her nice. that I am too scared. And I'm, what if I fall and break my bones? And so, but that's, but that's the chapter on desire and burning desire. And of course, the accomplishment of learning how to ride a bike at 55, it, it gave me a boost of confidence, not a boost of confidence. It, it really built on my confidence. And if you can accomplish something like that, then another task that comes along, whether it's personal or, or business related, you say, I have accomplished riding a bike at 55. I can do something else. Yeah, and, and you you tick that box as well, right? That's just one of those you, yeah. lingering things that you've had since you know since coming to the U.S. Where yes, you you could uh, you couldn't say you you could do it now you can, now you can't say you, that you can do that. Yes. that's that's amazing. Yes. Um, as we close out, what you know you have a workbook for you know for for everyone, which is which is wonderful. But what do you think is like one overarching actionable tip or a piece of advice that you would give people? who uh, need a little guidance on how to step out of their comfort zone and build self-confidence? I think the first thing people realize that um, 
it's normal to feel, not always feel confident. And the arching advice is confidence, um, despite what people might think that confidence, you're born with it. And if you are not feeling confident, um, are you just out of luck? You're absolutely not. So the one thing they need to know is that confidence is something that can be learned, practiced, and mastered just like any other skill. Is just really knowing what is what it is that you need to do. So it's normal to feel not confident in whatever situation. So acknowledge it and just say, hey, I am not feeling confident at the moment. And then you identify, you know, why am I not feeling confident? Am I going into a stressful, stressful situation? It could be personal. You might be going into a Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving dinner or lunch where there's going to be other family members. You don't feel comfortable. You feel anxious being around them, or you could be in a business situation. So identify, you know, what is it that making me feel less confident and then apply the strategies that we discussed or the, the strategies, really all the strategies are in the book and then you can take them the next level and get the workbook. But you apply the strategies, you know, you visualize yourself, you can visualize a positive outcome before you even get into the situation. You control your negative thoughts. You say, go away, rabbit, the minute you, you think bad things. So there's a lot of strategies, but the overarching, um, overarching point is you are not out of luck if you don't feel confident. It's just knowing what to do and how to act. That's awesome. Our guest today was Ala Bardov, who is uh, who's a, a, a success story, uh, who has worked her way through the challenges that I, as a former immigrant, am very familiar with, of fitting in, first and foremost, learning another language, learning another culture, uh, fighting the good fight, uh, oftentimes doing things that are not glamorous, um, and then ultimately finding your footing. Um, and I think that, uh, you've shared some wonderful wisdom with our audience today, your, your book, um, uh, get out of the rabbit hole, building confidence to overcome self-doubt, improve performance to reach your potential is available, uh, on Amazon, uh, also as an audiobook, And, uh, I would encourage our audience to, to check it out. Um, and, uh, I, I just want to, I want to thank you for, for, for joining us today and, and, um, if if anyone in the audience wants to reach out to you, where, where can they find you? They can find me on LinkedIn, Ala Bardov, or sellyourselfforsuccess.com. That's great. Fantastic. Ala Bardov, you. thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap, folks. Like what you heard and want to support the show? Please follow our page on LinkedIn and Facebook. Visit us on YouTube. And please like and rate us on all of your favorite podcast streaming services. You can also see exclusive content, subscribe for free to our weekly blog, support our sponsors, and soon buy our merchandise at www.bravingbusiness.com. Thanks for being a part of our production, and we'll see you next time on the Braving Business Podcast. 